The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. The scripture this morning is Psalm 13. If you're using the Bible underneath your chair, it's on page 423. And if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. Psalm 13, beginning in verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Meredith. Um, as we've mentioned, Jonathan is on sabbatical. This is his first week uh, of sabbatical. Uh, filling in this morning, a man who needs no introduction, Charles Campbell. Many of you know Charles. Many of you love Charles. If you know Charles, you love Charles. I think that's it. Um, we talk about, um, um, I, I don't know if you know this about Charles, but uh, he helps train church planters and train those who train church planters. Um, so when you hear about uh, church plants in the, uh, in the Southern Baptist world, um, likely Charles Campbell's fingerprints are on it in some way, shape, or form. Mm. He will never brag about that. Um, he's, he's humble and he's modest, but um, this man has a big impact um, in North America. He's also a lover of God's word uh, and a lover of, of worshiping the Lord. I'm constantly encouraged by Charles when he talks about uh, trusting in the Lord. Um, I've, I've heard him talk a lot about that the past few months, and that's been an encouragement for me. So, Delta, without further ado, uh, Charles Campbell is going to preach from Psalm 13, and I know he'll be blessed. Thanks, Brian. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, Brian and Brady and I uh, were talking about this the other day, but uh, uh, we, we've done this before, so... Uh, three years into Delta's start, um, our lead guy had to step down. And so we went three years uh, without a lead guy. And so the running joke amongst the rest of us was, hey, if you don't like the preaching this week, come back next week or the week after that, and it'll be somebody new. All right? So that's how we're going to be doing uh, John's sabbatical. We're going to be using the text as our, as our guiding theme. So we'll be in Psalms for a little bit, and then we'll be in Philippians for a little bit. And so uh, you get me first out of the gate this morning. And so, so if you will, keep your scripture open, whether it's on your device uh, or um, in your Bible, as we look at Psalm 13. I want to just kind of give us some context about Psalm 13 and remind us that the book of Psalms is, is like uh, the old uh, Jerusalem Israelite prayer book hymn book. You know, it was their psalter, if you will. It was, the, it was the way they sang songs in their worship. It was the way they, they prayed in their worship. In fact, it, it showed the relationship between God, God act, God's activities in their lives of his people 
and their responses to them. Let me, let me read that one more time. It said, the Psalms are showing the relationship between God's activities in the lives of his people and their responses to him. It's a book of celebration. It's a book of thanksgiving. It's a book of lament. It's a book of cries for help. It's a book of cries for distress. It's a book of confession and repentance. So similar in our worship today, we have songs like we sang this morning. There are songs of praise to the Father for who He is, for what He's done. We have songs and prayers that confess our sin and our need for forgiveness. I love the fact that the Psalms help us in so many practical ways. They don't Instagram the life of God's people. But it shows how they struggled with God at times. It shows their circumstances. It shows sometimes their frustration with their enemies and their enemies' victories and the seeming winning ways of their enemies. The Psalms give us the real nitty-gritty, if you will, the grinded-out moments of the journey. And today's psalm is one of those. Psalm 13, it's only six verses. We're not going to be here long, thankfully, right? So, and by the way, you see me wear a hat all the time. Well, this hat fun- serves as a functional purpose for a bald guy. So if I didn't have the hat, I'd have a, I'd have a sweat rag, right? So I'm either going to have the hat or the sweat rag. So, um, but uh, exactly. <clears throat> But this song of lament takes us through the full range of motions. It's quite honestly a fitting text for Mother's Day. I love what Bobby Jean said. She she said it so beautifully. For some of you today, Mother's Day has a lot of fond memories. It makes you smile. It makes you grateful. um, have Have a grateful heart. For others of you, today's a hard day. You miss your mom. You you miss you wish you were a mom. Maybe you struggled with your mom. There's, there's loss and there's painful memories. But no matter where you find yourself, I pray that today's psalm will be a psalm that will bring you comfort, even though it's this psalm of lament. So as we dig into these six verses, here's the one big idea. If you're a note taker this morning, I want, you to, I want you to capture this one big idea from this psalm this morning. The big idea is this. We can go through any hardships Because God's love is steadfast. We can go through any hardships because God's love is steadfast. Here's what I want you to do this morning. So uh, being a worship leader, being a music guy, um, doing what I do for a living, I love to train people. Um, The idea of just like talking at you for 30 or 40 minutes is just not all a part of my DNA. So I've got to work in some interactive things. And so this morning, here's what I want you to do. As we think about point number one in verses one and two, point number one is this. As God's children, we can cry out to him. As God's children, we can cry out to him. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a blank sheet if you're taking notes or you can just add it in your notes. If you've got your phone, grab your phone, open up a notes page, all right, on your phone. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put on some quiet music and I'm just gonna give you like 60 to 90 seconds. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take... Um, just a few moments, and I want you to reflect on the seasons in your life when you wished your circumstances were different. It could have been a really short moment, or it could have been something 
that lasted for years. It may be a season that you're in right now where you're asking the same kind of question that the psalmist asked in verse 1, where they ask, how long, O Lord? So just take a second and, and, just, and just, just reflect and go, man, when are those moments when I've just, I've just cried out to the Father, I've just cried out and I've just said, how long, O Lord? How long do I have to stay in this space? Okay, so I'm just going to turn on some music. And just let you reflect on that for just a second. Take just another few seconds. Maybe it was just a minor inconvenience that you just got frustrated with. You chose the wrong checkout line at the grocery store. And you got a six-month-old on your hip, and you got a two-year-old in the grocery cart. And as a mom, you're just going, how long, oh Lord? Maybe it was one of those, those little moments like that. Or maybe it's a moment where your health has failed you and it's, it's been this long season where you're just like, how long, oh Lord, how long do I have to stay here? Or maybe it's a relationship that's just not the way you want it to be or a work situation that's really, really hard. Or you're in a season where you're caring for a parent it's just hard. So just take another couple of seconds and just finish out your list. The psalmist asked this question How long, O Lord? I think in, in the psalmist's case, this wasn't a minor inconvenience. This was a gut-wrenching, I don't know if I can do this any longer, cry for help. It was ugly. It's anxiety-written. It's all alone. There's this heavy sense of anguish. In fact, he didn't ask the question. He didn't make that statement just once. Just twice, not even three times, but four times he uses that phrase, how long? How long, O oh Lord? It was, it was life in a minor key. I told you this was going to be a different kind of sermon. You know, we sang this song at the beginning of the service today where we were like...
We sang that, oh, great is our God song, right? For the psalmist, if they were singing that same song with that, how long, oh, Lord, kind of feel, it would be like this. And I'm only changing one note. It's life in a minor key. It's full of tension. It's full of anguish. It's full of pain. As we go on and as we look through the verses, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Look at that progression. That first thing I want you to see there is that the psalmist feels like the father has forgotten him. Have you ever felt like you've been forgotten? Maybe for you, it was, that, it was that time that you're waiting for your ride. You're sitting on the porch of the school. You know, it's five minutes late, 10 minutes late. Back when I, my wife and I were in high school, there were no cell phones, right? So there was no way for mom to text me and say, hey, I'm running a few minutes late. I'll be there when I get there. There was no way for me to, and you just had to sit and wait. It's like, have I been forgotten? As a new dad, um, my wife and I, we left church one day together, and um, we were going to eat lunch with some friends, and uh, she went on ahead, I parked the car, I got out, I got halfway to the door of the restaurant, and I was like, I'm forgetting something. It's like, oh yeah, my newborn, you know, so... Carrie, our oldest, she survived, you know, she's a mom of two, you know, our great-grand, our, not great-grands, our, our granddaughter, so she made it, but, but there, was, there was like a two-minute spell where she was just hanging out in the car in her car seat. Now, she didn't know she had been forgotten, but I knew she had been forgotten, you know. I was so focused on my hunger, right? I forgot that extra person that's now part of my life. James, don't do that, okay, all right? Less, lesson to new dad, all right? So, but for the psalmist... There's this feeling, I've been forgotten. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? But he he doesn't stop there because, you know, being forgotten can be like unintentional, an accidental thing, right? Not on purpose. God, remember me? Have you forgotten me? But he but he doesn't stop there. Look at verse two. He says, he said, or actually the second part of verse one, how long will you hide your face from me? So now it moves from an, in, an unintentional, maybe an accidental thing to, no, God, you're, you're actually hiding from me. You don't hide accidentally. You hide intentionally. And the psalmist is in one of those moments where it's like, God, are you, are you avoiding me? Have you hidden your face from me? I mean, I just, just feel the deep sense of anguish and pain and aloneness. Maybe you've had one of those moments in your life where you're just, you're just kind of setting in the thick of it. And it's like, man, God, I feel like you've forgotten me. I feel like you've hidden your face from me. That's where we find the psalmist this morning. Kind of like maybe Job felt. Or if you read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah's ministry was just one of a, a hard reality. 
where he was just having to deliver hard message after hard message after hard message to the people of Israel, and they were just being stubborn beyond stubborn beyond stubborn. And I can't imagine for Jeremiah, there's, the, there's just a lot of lament in there. God, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten us? Have you forgotten me? That's where we see the psalmist in, in, in verse 1. And then, it, and then it takes another turn because in verse 2 he says, How long must I take counsel in my soul? He turns the wrong way. He begins to trust in his own. I'm, I'm just going to figure out how to bootstrap this thing. I'm just going to do my own thing. So instead of, it, instead of lifting his gaze, he lowers his gaze. He begins to navel gaze. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? I mean, he's just, he's, he's almost like curled in on himself. But how often do we do that? Where God doesn't show up fast enough, or God doesn't show up in the way that we want him to show up. And so we're like, okay, God, if you're not going to do your thing, I'm going to take control. I'm going to run my own show. I'm going to take counsel in my own soul because you have no counsel to give me. Or I don't hear counsel coming from you in the way that I want to receive counsel. I'm just going to take it upon myself. And it doesn't stop there, though, because he goes from that inward looking, and I, 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 think, I think there's a progression here. So he goes from, okay, God, maybe it's just an accident. Maybe you've just kind of forgotten me to, no, you're intentional. You, you've, you're hiding from me to, oh, I'm going to take my own counsel to now I'm going to believe the lies of the enemy. Look in the second part of verse 2 where he says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Do you have those moments? And maybe in an earthly sense, it looks like the enemy is winning. And maybe in an earthly sense, the enemy could be winning. But ultimately, they haven't and they won't. Because you need to be reminded, you need to remember, God has never left us. He's not forgotten us. He's not abandoned us. So here's the second thing I want you to be reminded of today as we look in verses 3 and 4. So we can cry to God for help, but we can also, as God's children, we can ask to be delivered. It's not a weak thing. It's not an unhealthy thing. It's not a, man, I, sh I should just kind of sit in this and just kind of grind it out. No, we, we can ask God to deliver us. We see the psalmist doing that here in verse 3 when he says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest, the sleep, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Those of you that have littles, and maybe you've done this even with your spouse, you know, hey mom, look at me. Hey mom, watch. Hey mom. Hey mom, hey mom. They might even grab, they might even come up and like put their hands on your cheeks and, and bring their face right in your face because they want your full attention. I want you to pay attention to me. 
think that's what the psalmist is, is, is doing here. Consider and answer me, Father. Father, hear me. Lord, light up my eyes. Restore the brightness that's there because right now it's, my eyes are dim. I almost feel like I'm, 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 at, the, I'm at the point of death. It's kind of like that moment, jump in the New Testament, Jesus and the disciples, they're, go, they're going across the Sea of Galilee. They're cruising along the lake. Jesus falls asleep. The storm comes up. The boat's about ready to sink. The disciples are like, ah, you know, they're in a state of panic. And the Lord is, is right there asleep on the boat. And they're, and they're like, hey, can you wake up and take care of this? It's like, what was his response to them? Oh, of you, you little faith. I'm right here. I'm listening. You have my attention. I'm not off wandering around. I'm not asleep. Not reading the newspaper. That just dated me right there, right? Okay. I'm not looking at the newspaper on my phone. Not scrolling. You have his attention. We read the passage in our scripture of assurance. We have a great high priest who's gone before us. We can have confidence to approach the throne of grace. We don't have to fear making our request to the Father. Like the psalmist does here, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He goes on in verse 4 and says, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. Aren't you glad that the psalmist doesn't stop in verse 4? Aren't you glad that it doesn't stop with, my foes rejoice because I am shaken? When I see that, when I read that verse, it reminds me of James chapter 1, where James talks about being tossed to and fro. The psalmist is in that place where his faith is, is just not sure. It's not, on a, it's not on a steady rock. It's not on a solid foundation. It feels like it's on sinking sand right here in this moment. My faith is shaken. Because I feel like my enemies are prevailing over me right now. Have you had those seasons where you were at the end? Where you're just like, man, I just, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know where I should turn. I just feel like I'm being pressed in on every side. I think we have a lot of our world that lives right there. And for them... Verse 4 is where it ends. They're just living in this box that's being hammered on every side, and they just don't know where to turn. They don't know who to look to. Maybe that's where you are even in this moment today. You just don't know where to turn. You just don't know where to look to. And thankfully, we got two more verses. Before we get to those verses, though, I want to give you a word it's a new word I learned this last month. It's, it's actually a, a word that was created, uh, which I guess all words are created, right? So, but the writer J.R. Tolkien, so, you know, Lord of the Rings, 
Um, he was looking for a word to help him unpack this moment that happens in a story. And so he made up this word. The word is eucatastrophe. And the definition that he gave it was, it's the sudden happy turn in a story which pierces you with a joy that brings tears. I think we're at that moment right here in this, with the psalmist. We're at that sudden happy turn in the story. So like in the Lord of the Rings series, it looks like all hope is lost. It looks like the enemy is bearing down. Their backs are against the wall. And then Gandalf the White is on the side of the hill, full of light, coming down in to save the day. It's the resurrection for us. It's that happy moment when all seems lost, when the Savior's been crucified, when he's been buried for three days. But then the resurrection happens. For the psalmist, he says it this way, but I have trusted. may seem like an odd little word to be a favorite word, but my favorite word in Scripture is B-U-T. Especially when it's connected to the word God. But God. But I have trusted. That's the eucatastrophe in our moment today. This sudden happy turn in the story. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. Go with me for a second to... Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we have understood that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. He goes on, you know, with that Hall of Fame of Faith chapter. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of of things not seen. What do we see the psalmist saying right here as we move into our last point this morning in verses 5 and 6? As God's children, we can trust His steadfast love. The psalmist says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. I've put my hope, I've put my confidence, I've put my faith in you. And that's a critical moment. The steadfast love of the Lord is a love that doesn't move, doesn't change, hasn't failed. But I want you to think for a moment. When do you tend not to say that? When do you not tend to move down into verse 5 in your own personal life? When do you not trust Maybe for you it's, it's because you are so focused on needing the approval of everybody else that you live in a place of shame and you're just like, God, because I just always chase other people, I, I can't trust, I, I don't trust in your steadfast love like I should, so I'm just not going to. I'm too afraid of this person or that person and I want their approval more than I want yours. Or maybe it's because 
you're, you're so driven by ambition that you're looking at God going, I can do this. I'm going to bootstrap this. I'm going to figure it out on my own. Instead of going, but I have trusted in your steadfast love, I trust in my own ability to get myself there. Or the flip side of that for some of you is, you've tried that and it hasn't worked and so you just don't care. You're just apathetic. God, I don't think you're faithful. I know I can't do it, so I just don't care. I'm just apathetic. For some of you, You can't say that phrase or you don't live in that phrase like you should because there are just so many other things that you're chasing after. There's so many other appetites that you're trying to find satisfaction in. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's some other kind of thing that you have that you're chasing after because you're afraid. You're afraid that God won't ultimately satisfy the needs of your heart. Where do you find yourself in that drifting? Are you that approval person? Are you that ambition person? Are you that appetite? Remember this. The psalmist says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation, in your kindness to us. On the cross, Jesus provided and provides ultimate satisfaction. So we don't need those other appetites. On the cross, he became weak so we could become strong through him. On the cross, he was rejected so we could be accepted. That's the good news of the gospel. And that demands the same response from us that we see in verse 6. Verse 6 says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully. He has dealt generously with me. We started this morning with a list. I want us to end with a list. Maybe you draw a little column down those things that you put at the beginning. I'm going to give you another minute or so. And here's what I want you to do with that last list. What are the ways that the Lord has dealt bountifully with you? What are the ways the Father has been generous with you? Just take a second. I know it's hot. I'm going to get you out of here quickly. And I've got, a, I've got a video projector fan blowing hot air on me, so I understand. All right. Just take a second. And just reflect, what are the ways God's been generous with you? Small and big. I'll give you a starter. This morning, you woke up with breath in your lungs. You woke up with a heart that still beats. That's all God. You didn't do any of that. There's nothing you can do to cause your lungs to work. There's nothing you can do to cause your heart to beat any differently than it beats. That's the Father being generous with you with your physical health. So just take a second. And just reflect on the ways that he's been kind with you.
It's Mother's Day. Maybe think about the ways God's been kind to you and the mom, the grandma, some other mom-type figure that impacted your life. That's God, that's God being kind to you. For those of you that are his children, just reflect on that moment that he saved you or over the season that he brought you to the place of seeing your need for him and you responding. That's God being kind to you. As we wrap up this morning, we're going to move into a moment where we celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is another way for us to say thank you to the Father. For us to sing figuratively to him because he's dealt bountifully with us. It's a time for us to remember what he did for us on the cross in his kindness, he took on the Father's wrath so that we could have a way to the Father. There's no other way that, that we could have access to the Father except through what he did. So this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna take some time as a, as a, as a Jesus family and, and just remember as we eat the bread, as we drink the cup, and just be thankful Figuratively, we're singing, God, thank you for your kindness to me. As we get ready to go into this time of celebrating the Lord's Supper, for some of you, this is not part of your story yet. You can't say, I've trusted in your steadfast love. You don't know what a relationship with a father looks like. If you're sensing that God has opened up your heart this morning to respond to him, Respond to him by just acknowledging your sin, acknowledging that you can't bootstrap this thing any longer, acknowledging that you've chased after other kinds of appetites, and the only thing that will satisfy is Jesus. Ask him to forgive you for chasing after those other things so that your story changes today. You have a you catastrophe today. Your story moves from one of saying, how long, how long, how long must I live in this space? And the father saying to you this morning, child, I'm calling you to me. Re re reject the way that you've been living. Confess your sin. Cry out to me. Acknowledge me as your father, as your Lord and Savior. And you can have that moment where you can say, today I trusted in the steadfast love of the Lord, and today I will sing bountifully to him. Because today he's redeemed me, he's brought me from death to life, and I'm one of his kids. If that's not you today, if that's not where you're at, if you're still exploring that, if you're still wrestling with that, then this moment right here is not for you. Just remain seated. Just listen as God's people pray around you, as we sing bountifully to him. 
and respond to what God is saying to your heart in that moment. So the, band, the band's going to come. We're going we're gonna to play just quietly for you. Um, if you're one of his children, if you've, if you've responded, if you said, God, I've trusted in your steadfast love. I sing bountifully to you this morning. This table is open to you. Come and participate in the Lord's Supper. And then we're going to close with, with kind of one final song of thankfulness and, and singing. God, thank you for your, for your bountiful kindness to us this morning.